Welcome back to the Apprentice One to One podcast. We are here again. I'm with Jamie and Craig. We were supposed to be joined by Sam, but he's ditched us because he's recording Monday Club, and apparently that's a big deal on the internet, so he couldn't be with us. But we're going to press ahead, that's and awesome. we're going to talk about uh, solar, battery storage, EV, and all the whole prosumer thing around the regs that have just dropped last week. Before we get into it all, how are you, Jamie? How are you getting on? I'm just dead busy, like Sparky should be. But I don't like that. But yeah, I'm all right. I'm good. Like I said to you before I got here, I could fit my tuxedo from three years ago. So I might be rather happy on this podcast. You never know. Yeah, that's winning if you're getting in your clothes from three years ago. I'm struggling to get in from three weeks ago. So you're doing better than me. How are you, Craig? Have you got um, any exciting news that you want to share with us on the podcast? <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm on paternity at the minute, being the dad to my second child of a few days old. So it's uh, tired, but not for the reasons that Jamie is. Yeah, congratulations, mate. It's it's fantastic when you get to be a, a new parent again, but you'll be going through the dramas of a lack of sleep, I'm sure. So cheers for <laughs> taking the time to come and chat with us about this. I'm sure everyone watching is going to appreciate your input on it because we're relying on you for understanding how these books work. Because um, I am pretty clueless on a lot of it, to be honest. I'm on a journey now myself, learning about this in terms of growing my business to be able to offer these services. And from chatting with Jamie, I think you're on that kind of journey yourself as well, aren't you, mate? I am in, I'm a tight bastard and I don't want to pay for electricity. So I am, I have started, I was going to start blogging it actually, because it, it might be useful. I started doing it in my own house, as in, I've started really boring stuff like cleaning out my garage, um, changing a fuse board and all the little, what I, what we would call enabling work. So I am, I know what I know now. I'm looking forward to this because I want to learn something that might help me. And also, like I say, uh, this is going to be big business. Yeah. So for you, this is going to be the, what did we go through? There was one, there was something. Oh, this is like every Saturday morning when I was a young, I used to change a fuse board from a, from a rewirable to, a, to MCBs, get 350 quid, go downtown and wax a lot on booze. And uh, this is your, this is your one of them kids. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is. And the for those young apprentices, invest your money in saving and all the sensible things, not down the pub on booze. Well, it's cash in it. Cash, no one left to pay tax on cash. So it was all right. Yeah, every Saturday morning, a rewirable fuse board change. Every one's going to have one of these things that they can milk a little bit, and I think this is going to be the one for younger lads and ladies. Sorry, sexist. I definitely think it's going to be an interesting field. I'm not sure what we're going to teach anyone if all three of us are learning, but, you know, we'll we'll see what we come out with at the end. <laughs> well, everyone wants to see us pottering on out there. I think that's an important thing to share on this podcast, that we're not all experts in this stuff. It is a new... Well, we're saying it's new. The combined thing of it been together as one kind of um, thing for a consumer to take into their home as a prosumer. That's the new element to it. Solar's been around quite some time. EV's been around a bit of a while now. And battery storage, certainly in commercial installations, has been kicking about for a good long time. But pulling all of that together and making it work in somebody's home is what's the, the key aspect of this podcast, I guess. And it links in a little bit with the domestic apprenticeship that's been brought out because there's an intention there to teach a lot of that within that course, is my understanding. And also in the regs, we've got this entire new chapter now about prosumering. So I think that's quite relevant for a lot of apprentices who might be watching this. As Jamie said, you're going to be doing a lot of it. There's every chance you might spend your whole first 10 years of your career doing nothing but it. I think it, you think it, the regs think it. The people bringing out domestic domestic apprenticeship think it, national grid think it. So if you don't want to get involved, you probably want to move on to plumbing or something because storage and PV in every house is the way it's got to go. There's no other options for the grid. We either start in black arts or we do this. But I also don't think this is going to just stick to domestic only. And I know that that's probably the bigger angle to look at for the short term. And the regs have obviously only got the one chapter in it at the minute because it's on a journey itself looking at the wider scope and what's happening in the rest of the world for how we bring it in. But when you look at this and you start to read about some of the operating modes and things and it starts to talk about having shared premises, are we not going to get to a point where industrial parks are going to be all producing and having solar fitted and having battery storage and all supplying each other for an element mm. of time before we have to go back on grid? And I think that that's going to be where the market goes. I don't think you're going to be just putting solar on one person's house. I think you're going to be putting solar on a street and you're going to be putting solar in uh, batteries, sorry, in everybody's house and you're going to be putting charges on everyone's house. 
and everyone's going to help each other out in a kind of community feel, I think, to sort of deal with this energy price and sustainability, I guess. They'll find some way to tax that though, won't they? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're already getting that even if you even if you're producing back to the grid, it's not anywhere near it what they're charging you for your usage, is it? No, I mean, I mean, I'm not clever, and I thought the other night, if my neighbour were a massive penis, then we'd get together and we'd have one metre, one battery storage, solar on both roofs. We can bet straight away there'll be a reg or a regulation to stop you sharing that metre, because that will halve your standing charge, won't it? So I'm keen to see what develops as it develops regarding that kind of thing as well, as well as the electrical side of stuff. Why how will they tax it and... Will yeah. it still be economical? Will they start? Will it just? I don't know. It's it's a very interesting thing. I think that's going off right now. Well, they are they are starting to talk about that, aren't they? In chapter eighty two, they're starting to talk about having your PEIs in place, and that if you've got a collector of three or four houses and only one of the houses is producing, then the DNO will class it as one installation rather than as four yeah. separate installations. Oh, so they thought about it. I, I should have read it really, but I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it kind of laid out in there, and you know we're talking about if this is houses, they've also got the flats side of things as well. How they're going to set up for assumer installations because you know they assume that they want to certainly in new developments. So there is a lot of interesting areas around all of this, and I guess if we start at the at the regs level and then we'll build this out from there, and and really what the the regs are looking at in terms of these kind of installs is doing it in a safe way. I think that's that's the main emphasis on it at the moment. So they're talking about the supply that you're going to have, if it's going to be your DNO, local generation, PV, wind, or your batteries, which can be both a load um, and the supply. And then you've got the different aspects within the regs to do with distribution, um, your consumption monitors, your energy management. It's all been kind of pulled into that new chapter. So they're really focusing on doing this in a safe way. And one of the first things that popped into my mind from my past with inverters was the fault, with the fault currents. So it's to do with fault currents that you might generate. So we're on a traditional install where we've got our boards with MCBs in and whatever, we need quite a fault current to make them operate. The idea is when we're designing our installs, we get as faster operation of them as possible. Now, when you've got an inverter and you're kind of limited a little bit in what that can output, how does that affect mm. things? How are we going to set up our protective devices? What do you think on that one? And they're very clear in the bits that they're highlighting, aren't they, that it must be double pole disconnection there must be switching facilities for all aspects of the modes that you've got installed in the property. And they specifically talk about in one of the notes that the fault current on a solar installation, for example, is going to be considerably less than fault currents that you would be taking if you were connected to the DNO, for example, onto the grid. So having to find protective devices that are suitable for both scenarios is going to be interesting. And I think we were talking offline before about do you now need to potentially think about two boards or can you make one device to fit both sides of the installation because it's quite clear about upstream and downstream protection and having to have that at every side and what's downstream if you're connected from the grid might not be downstream when you flip over to island mode and yeah. how you start to link that together is going to be quite crucial I think. That's the key one for me the island mode so when you kind mm. of between the two systems, you can still have that fault current level that's going to be needed for things to operate. And obviously, if you've got RCDs, it's maybe less of an issue. But again, it depends on the inverters that have been used. And I think that's something we're going to have to really factor in with our design. It's something new to a lot of electricians that we are designing for the worst case scenario. So if we are just going for that one board and that one set of devices, it needs to be able to function safely when it is in island mode, if that's going to be the worst case scenario. Um, so yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think that's something we all need a bit of extra CPD on. That's a I'm, a, I'm loving this because like I, I, I could have got the download. I could I ain't got a brand book yet. I've got a two three. And I want to teach you next week, so I'm gonna have to sort my life out. But I don't want to read this section because I, I, he's taken it back for me. Like you know, when I was first apprentice learning new stuff, it's like that now. This is all new, and I don't really want to spoil it for myself by reading it. Does that make sense? I know you've got to, but I'm enjoying finding things out naturally off YouTube and that. It's nice to be in the game that I'm in and learning something new because it doesn't happen very often what we've been a massive brainiac. But it's nice <laughs> when news come along. I've got a project I want to do in my ass, something I'm scared of as well. I'm a bit scared a bit. Has anyone had, has anyone had a battery incident? No, uh, I've, had, I've seen I've heard of. I've had a battery incident. <laughs> like, um, I'm a bit worried about 
they're beating me ass. I don't know. I'm I'm still trying to learn about the technology behind the batteries. Are uh, uh, unstable they are or not? Can I put them under the stairs? Have they got to go in my garage? Do I need a fire extinguisher? I really enjoy finding out about it all. I mean, like I say, I did a battery inverter for uh, an emergency light system, like a central emergency light system once. And the gaffer there goes, there's a broken battery. And he goes, go and get the biggest spanner you can find out of a toolbox. I was like, yeah, right then. And he dropped across the terminals. It melted straight through it because batteries are fucking dangerous. Yeah. Anyone coming into the trade, don't mess around with batteries. They are dangerous bits of kit. So I'm interested. I'm going to incorporate them into my home where I sleep. Well, and they're, <laughs> they're going to be one of the biggest factors, aren't they? Because Mark said batteries can be used for generation and as a load. And effectively, an EV, like a car, is a battery, isn't it? Mm. And there was a video on YouTube a while ago, I think, where a Tesla caught fire in America and it took the fire brigade 15 hours to put it out because the batteries just kept reigniting. And that led me nicely into thinking about how when I was at the college I was at before here, we partnered up to train the fire brigade and the use of EV cars and how to isolate them because yeah. the fire brigade at the time learned how to isolate an electric car off PowerPoint. And the first time they have to isolate it is when it's on fire and they've got to actually deal with it. Mm. So they are things that everybody is learning about in every industry, I think. And although we're sort of five or six years down the line from when that was taking place, and I'm sure that CBD's developed, there's still <laughs> a whole journey we need to look at, I think, isn't there? I think as well, like these, these like batteries, like lead acid. What do we have? Lead, what were drills when we were young? Were they um, NICAD? Yeah. NICAD. They were pretty stable. I remember buying a remote control helicopter with the first lipos that came out. It crashed and just burst into flames like a real helicopter. I can't believe it. Uh, I think cars are lipo, aren't they? Is that right? Or generally lipo? Something That's quite like that, unstable when it goes up. And then I think the hat, these house ones aren't, they're quite a stable battery by all accounts. Um, it's such a nice, it's such an enjoyable process to find all about it because yeah. uh, I've just assumed they're going to kill me and apparently not. So that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Um, I have seen some installs where people have got these battery systems under the stairs. I think there's just extra considerations if you want to do that. If it's the only place for it to go, then you can have your extra <laughs> fireproofing of that space. You've got fire detection, maybe some sort of suppression system. But really try and get it somewhere more sensible. We need to provision for this, I think, don't we? Definitely a new build. Oh, we yeah. can build, build it in in a safe way where it's you know serviceable, easy to access. We want to so, end the time where we're on our knees under somebody's stairs trying to make electrical systems work. That was a terrible idea to start with. So let's put it somewhere that we can get access to it. It can be easily replaced. You're not having to faff around and it's not dangerous if, if something goes wrong. Well, I was thinking about this today. The government are giving the bigot about new arson and green blah, 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 and all that shit. Why aren't the building regulations saying, right, you've got to provide a square metre with a door that's external to the house for batteries. You have to put a duct into your drive from your fuse board. That should be building control stuff. We're, we're giving it the bigot about all oh, this EV and we're going green and all that shit. But that means house design needs to change. So... You've got to have a duct outside to an EV point. Why is none of that happening? Well, I think that's the bit where this is the start of that journey, isn't it? Because when we talk about overcoming protective devices and stuff, they're all still going back to Chapter 41 and the other regs. They're still on the same ZS disconnection times. It is information we've had. The bit that is coming out that's being slightly new, I guess, is the fact that they're now talking about having to put secondary earthen systems into new developments or mm. new installations. To factor for this in the future, how you, how you how you feasibly do that in central London, I have no idea, but I'm sure that will come up and find a way. But for me, this is where innovation and the building regs and all of those things have to catch up because there's got to be more than one way to be doing this. And I, I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing what cleverer people than me come up and design over the next couple of years that make this a sensible and suitable approach to install. Yeah, what, I mean... What? Oh, sorry, Come on, Jamie, fire away. What, what I will say is, yeah, is I've just got this. Is I was apprenticed here in 1999, so I started my apprenticeship in 1998, yeah? So I've got the trophy. And then downstairs in my living room is a fuse box board I just bought um, online. It's the first board I've bought that's got all RCBOs and SPDs for my house, yeah? That is 24 years since I started my apprenticeship, and they've been bringing in RCDs, a single module device for those 24 years it's took. So if we're going to go to EV, PV, all the builder control stuff to make it, how long is that going to take? <laughs> we ain't got that long. We haven't yeah, got I mean, that long. That's, it that's took that good, one to good, get that through. 
a good point in terms of regulation. I think a lot of these things, as we've seen with EV, it's been the manufacturers who've driven a lot of the innovation we've seen. You know, they came up with the unicorn devices mm. that, you know, made, made yeah, it to yeah, install electrodes. And I think with, with PV and the battery systems, they'll do that as well. The problem is it's different manufacturers for different parts of it all. And it's pulling all that together into a system that's going to work in a safe way for consumers. So you might have solar panels from one company and inverter from somewhere else your battery bank made by something else and then trying to integrate all that into one thing. Now that's going to be a challenge for us. We're going to have to do lots of product training, um, I think. And I think eventually it'll get to the point where my simple brain tells me it'll be like a Lego set. You know, you'll get your, mm. you'll get your entry level product. It'll be like your bigger Lego blocks. And then eventually you'll get your really intricate systems, which are like those Meccano things that I still can't build at 36 years old. <laughs> and it's just going to be, it's going to be that ongoing journey, isn't it? It's going to be applying the different sets of information and regulations and the, the scenario you are based in at that time because you're, you're literally going to be, for everyone you go to if we're looking at a house, is this shared, is it single, is it a collective approach? And every time you enter a design or an installation test is going to be different and being aware of that content and how you design that is putting a lot more emphasis on the, us as installers, I think, to make sure we know how to do that mm. yeah definitely i mean there's, there's that it's that wide isn't it there's that many different you can't cover that in the regulations i don't think to the point of which going to step by step tell you exactly what you have to do with these things it's going to relate back to product standards for certain devices and it's up to you as a professional installer to make all of that work and that's that's kind of the journey lots of us are on i've been speaking to other electricians in exactly the same position as me and jamie who were going on those courses sam booked onto solar and battery courses to learn a little bit more about the technology. And also I want to now to work safely on, on roofs consistently. You know, we've all got a bit of experience of messing about on a roof with your scaffold and stuff, but I want about the different slates and, and tiles oh, and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> How you figure out attaching onto rafters. And I'm going to give Stuart Cato another shout out because he's been helping me out over WhatsApp quite a bit. I have some pointers and places to go to get the right training. So that's We need really to get cool. him on here, Mark. I think this is a nice... I think this one's nice because we don't really know what we're doing, which is, I think, is a nice thing to everyone to see that we're on a journey as well. But Are you suggesting we're dead on any other ones? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's not mislead but, the audience, definitely. It'd be not. nice to get someone on it, or Stuart could watch it come on and say, yeah, you're all, you're all cretins, you're ruining the industry. Because it's just like, we are bimbling along here, aren't we, trying to work out what we're doing. Yeah, like everyone is, like everyone is. Stuart is a, an expert on this. He's been on Apprentice one-to-one before, so he is... Um, Quite happy to come on and chat with us i'm sure he would so yeah that's an interesting angle we can go towards i suppose the, my question being I, I haven't done so i don't i haven't done the courses in it i don't know much about it i suppose my question is should we be fitting the brackets in the roofing or should we have somebody in our company that knows what they're doing when it comes to slate and tiles as you say mark and different types of roofs and the, the considerations you take into that factor because I'm not sure I want to start being a roofer. I don't. I don't either. I don't want to break a tile and have to fix a roof and then it be leaking three weeks later. But yeah. if you don't do the old package, the three solar guys are now. I think Stuart. I spoke to Stuart on LinkedIn. I've, I keep it on his um on his Instagram and that. I think he does the old package, doesn't he? He does. The guy I know in Nottingham who, who really helps me out. Um, he does the old package as well. So I don't know if this scope. I think. You've got to get stuck in. It's not like it's not like EV. We can go and bang these things on the wall outside. And off you go. I think you've got to be. That the good thing about it is you've got to be skilled. You've got to be willing to put the effort in and, and do all that. I think, but I don't but, want to do that. <laughs> but I might a childish who led myself down something I wanted to say. Then obviously Mark touched on the domestic apprenticeship at the start, and I know that the electrical industry traditionally has been that we do everything. But mm. is it now too big to do everything? do we now need to start having people who are properly trained in doing these things? Yes, you do solar. Like Stuart Cale, yes, you do solar. You know how to deal with these roofs. You know how to fix your brackets. You know how to do the different mounting things. I've watched him when he does quotes and prices. He knows what he's doing inside now. Ask me what I've got in the roof in my own house and why one's felt and one's slate and one's something else. I couldn't tell you. You know that do, do we need to allow the you know, the natural adoption of our industry to move into a way that is going and accept that with better qualifications and standards to make us better at what we do. 
you know that romance about electricians always do everything, do the old electrical job. That that's bollocks. That's never ever been the case ever anyway. That's just some romantic thing that people like to think is the truth. That old boy proper sparkers who have got JV cards think they do everything, and the fact is they don't. They can't do controls and instrumentation. They can't do controls on machinery. They don't do HV, MV, or anything like that. They just think they do, and they, we need to get away from that, that concept that people think we do everything because we don't. That's a load of fucking old shite. <laughs> well, the, the roof, the roof side of it is an entirely new concept, isn't it? And it's all about understanding your own competence. At the end of the day, if you're not capable of making that decision, then you shouldn't be doing it. If you don't know how to work on someone's roof, you shouldn't be doing it. And I want to go and get a chase. I want to for the chase. I won't fuck it. That's a decorator's <laughs> job. I'm not taking strong off a decorator. Yeah. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get the. I want to go on that journey of competence to try and learn how to do do that. And when I'm comfortable with it, and you know, you've had a bit of experience in doing it you might be happy to take that on in the future but for the time being we'll be looking to work with a local <laughs> building contractor who's going to keep us right on people's roofs because there's all a surveying as well to do with like um craig just said it's mm. not just actually fixing it to the physical roof you've got to understand the the wind loading and stuff like that and the lift is it rotten? This... are the slates rotten are the nails yeah. rotten is it a traditional slate roof? there's all sorts in there but if Can you're talking about new much... build properties you're talking about three or four different types of joists installed in your new build property before you even talk about what you fit to the roof. Oh, mm. because those roofs are designed to take literally just the weight of the tiles, aren't they, for costs to keep the cost down? Pretty That's much. And, and fire rating and other regs that, you know, we don't... I think it's eye joists or something you've got to have fitted now in your ceilings or your floorboards that make you say that they will give you the 30 minutes or, or an hour to get out before they burn down and they've got steel made in them. And Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got, as I say, it's just, it's a big field that I don't think is outside of people to learn, but I think so the, we just need to accept that there's learning to go on that. Where I am now, and the, this is my extension, I'm in there, and this this was made by a company called Trust Tech. I think they're a big old firm. So you send them the dimensions of your walls and they build this in a factory. This roof was made in a factory and they send it as a kit. You, you've probably seen it being offloaded off lorries. So they take into account the fact that what material is it? So it needs to hold the weight of the roof itself. Then they make an allowance for the shit that I put in it, like old Christmas trees and stuff like that and, and marijuana grows. <laughs> then they make an allowance for wind shear and snow and all that kind of stuff. Are they, are they allowed for me to have solar panels? What's my percentage? I, I just don't know. What is I Can I get anything on there? How much do they weigh? There's all that. And then, then I've sort of new build. They are value engineered, aren't they? So can they even take solar? Have they got to change the building regs? There's so much going off. It's it's definitely interesting. But I literally don't know if we can even put solar panels on this. It might not take them. It is so interesting. I look forward to next week's show when Jamie's roof is in because he can't. <laughs> when the police are around in Jamie's loft. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is an interesting one, isn't it? And you're right. There is, you know, all these different aspects that we have to consider. And it's understanding, you know, how we tackle that as electricians. And there are established contractors we can look to who are going to give us a bit of guidance, hopefully, because this is going to be a massive growing mm. market. But it's, it's one of those where you understand your own limits, I think, and work within those. Get the right training. Just speaking about some of the free stuff that's out there, Stuart's pointing me at Solar Edge. So I don't know if you two have been and looked at that, but they've got a, a massive resource of training that can help you if you just want to work in, in sales with an electrical business, for example, and know a little bit about how it all works, or if you want to go on a full tech journey around their products, it's all there for you to go and, and take in. So I think that kind of thing is really helpful for us as well. I've not bought it yet. It's too expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I've seen Solar Edge because we asked Stuart to um, quote for installing solar at the college at IMAT, and as part of his quote and his bid, he went through Solar Edge and the stuff he can track and he can monitor and the outputs he can give you and the savings on your energy prices, this is definitely the future of where things are going. And if you know what you're doing with it, it's going to be a big market. The interesting journey for me is going to be everyone will focus domestically to start with, but actually I think commercial and industrial installations is where this is really going to mm, take yeah. off because I imagine... Um, the corporation taxis or the savings they can have if they start to install this technology if you're a Starbucks or something like that is going to become huge and therefore I think that's going to be where we see the benefits going yeah. predominantly and, and for me it will be interesting to see then what incentives do we put in place because 
if we've got an industrial park that's all generating, all producing, all consuming, and then sharing that back to the grid, how is that then being distributed throughout domestic properties and helping everybody? And that for, they're, they're going to generate more than, you know, a couple of houses in the street with solar on it. So I'm, I'm excited to see how that relationship develops. That's an interesting one. Like you say, it can be a street that maybe gets together and does something similar that, like that as well. It's how all that's going to build forward as time moves on and be able to safely make it work and then fairly distribute the benefits of that system. Just kind of go back a bit to the way that Edison was first wanting to do the distribution of electricity, wasn't it? It was called local generation. Um, and then we moved away to these times of big power plants and then selling electricity to consumers. So, you know, and pulling it back to the beginning of this, when we were speaking about taxation as well, there will be a switch in time where the government have to do something to generate revenue because they're going to be losing out on all the fuel in vehicles and the tax they would raise on gas sales and stuff so they will they will come for that and it's how they're going to make that happen and being aware of that as consumers it might seem really low cost now but maybe in 10 years that won't be the case so we do need to be a bit mindful of that as well i think just going back to you mentioned edison there edison's an arsehole or i just want to get that across don't mention him again on this podcast i'll never come on again he's just a salesman i hate him Exactly, exactly. but it's the principle of his distribution system was that it was all kind of local. And I think what we're heading to now is pushing towards that. Mm. I think we're going to go to a lot more local generation, um, a lot less reliance on, on a grid connection. Maybe not immediately in 10 years' time, but looking maybe 20 years into the future, we might not need a, a grid system at all. I don't know. I think that's Ooh. going to be interesting Ooh. to see how it develops. The, the big powers that you're dead, if you are young and you haven't drove past Drax, I'd look. You want to do it because in 10 years' time, might even be there. I remember the big coal-burning stations, forever seen trains full of coal going up and down, mine equipment where I lived, they're gone. The, the, the biggest, like, Drax is... I mean, you, you quite know that, Mark. It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's a yeah. ridiculous thing. It's, it's just the engineering's unreal. I've done my tour around Radcliffe. I've done my tour around Drax. Ferry Bridge get a chance well. now, get in there. Yeah, Ferry Bridge. They're absolute monsters, the likes of which will probably be never seen again in the UK. So if you're uh, new to the game before it's gone, get yourself down there and have a look around. So having explained the complications of all of this and speaking with your lecturing heads on, how are you, are you going to approach this with a domestic apprenticeship trying to teach all of this in that course? We've not seen the meat and the bones of what that's going to look like, but we've seen as established contractors and experienced electricians how difficult this is. You know, I'm wondering how colleges can be expected to teach a solid overview of that. It's going to be a real challenge for them as well. So for me, this this is where the industry needs to um, put his pants on and come and help us because everybody always says, oh, apprenticeships and colleges is not good enough, but there's only so much we can do. There is only so much we can take in. And if an apprentice comes to us one day a week or two days a week or three days a week, whatever it may be, that's not enough learning to justify the whole four or five years are going to take throughout the apprenticeship or three years on the domestic as it's been proposed. We cannot education unless the government does something drastic cannot just turn around and start investing what hundreds of thousands of a hundred thousand pound in solar and batteries to have 30 different sites and installations Mm. set up to be able to teach this effectively we've got to look at that and for me that's where manufacturers have got to come in and i'm very fortunate that i'm supposed to be having a company coming to work with us on our show home um, that we've been building where we've put EV chargers on there. We've got control for technology. I'm supposed to be getting a solar and battery install, which I'll get to be part of fitting. And then we have made effectively inside the college, a small house that can go into sort of an island mode. If you like, it can sort of look after itself through generation storage and everything else. And that's going to be the way for us to start showing that to students and apprentices and things now but that to 30 apprentices needing to study solar as part of their qualification is a huge a huge leap (laughs) and I don't know many other colleges not bigging ourselves up but don't know many other colleges that are putting those sorts of installations in or the time so if we get that it'll be a fantastic start but there's a long way to go and we need help from industry to support that I think the, the problem is, I'm not knocking any colleges this, a lot of colleges, or I dare say the majority of colleges, struggle to maintain two-way fuse boards. 
when they're getting cycled around learners all the time. So while we're meant to handle this kit that's cost thousands, are we going to deal with that? Are people going to get hands-on with stuff that costs thousands that can be broken easily? That people are taking it out, look around, get inside. It's just like we're not used to dealing with this kind of uh, expensive accessories, are we really? No, and that's where some that's where something's got to change because mm. I feel for colleges, and not because I'm in one, I just feel for them generally. You know, that the money that's given to do this is not anywhere near enough. And for clarity, the difference with colleges and training providers is colleges are not for profit. They are registered charities. Therefore, they have to reinvest everything that they bring in from their funding. So we are already reinvesting everything that we already bring in. How are we now going to find another, you know, I don't mm. know how I would find another 10 grand for my own house to put an installation on my own house, scale that up to 30 people at a time. How do you do that? <clears throat> and you can get a great setup and we're, there's always a bad apple, isn't there? And it could get broke. You know what I mean? It's, I, I, I hate to be honest about it, but you could have a really good setup and sort of get in there and chew up with a screwdriver because they're just being laser and it's and it's knacked. And I, I just don't know the solution to that yet. Um, manufacturers supplying dummies. I, I don't know. I generally don't know. It's going to be an interesting one for them to do. I think we need to be proactive on it rather than reactive. So we've got this new domestic electrician apprenticeship that's coming in that's heavily focused on all of that. So we need to be pushing government and industry to help fund and set things up so it can be taught in the right way. We need people who understand how those things, systems work. So they're given access to training themselves to be able to teach others and then the materials to be able to do it in the right way. Because we're saying how exciting this is, what a great opportunity mm. this is for young people now. The last thing we want is for them not to have access to the right training and be able to install these in the right way. We don't want to see the lash-ups online that people have done just to make a few quid. We want this to be done right. So let's help colleges now. Let's really set this up in the right way. I think that's something Apprentice One to One can maybe help with and get that message out there to the wider industry. But that and and that's great. And that's part of my thing about when we talk about knowing your limits. I might go on a five-day solar course or whatever they are now, I'm not sure. And technically, I can then teach it. I wouldn't. Because mm. if I've never done an installation in my life, if I've never personally worked on them and done them, then the qualification is one thing, but experience is another. And mm. this is where we need industry to go, do you know what? We're going to give somebody up a day, a day a month or something. You know, you get two or three companies give up an engineer for a day a month and they come in and teach some parts of the specialist courses that need to be done. It hugely is going to help and benefit our industry. Mm. I've never taught anything I haven't done. So that would be new. To, I mean, doing one in my own ass, doing another one. When I teach two through nine one or test, I've done it thousands of times. I know exactly what all of that. I can be questioned, but I don't think your average lecturer is going to stand up to a, the, the an ex spark. You should say he's not going to stand up to the kind of questioning over regulation and testing and installation questions like they are this because it's all new for everyone. As you can see, I like I said, I'm I'm totally new to it. I'm I'm on a bit of a back finding mission myself, and I don't know what's going off. <laughs> There's, there's a limit. How's that pool? going to work in real life? There is a limited pool of people who are going to understand this in the detail required, and that's that's my concern with it. It's making that available to enough lecturers to be able to teach all these students who might go on this journey themselves as apprentices, and to teach us as experienced electricians how to work on these roofs safely, how the systems all plug together and can be used safely in people's homes. It's a really exciting thing, but I think rather than be reactive to it when all these demands for these installs, because we're going to see huge growth in this, especially mm. with the price of electricity, it's happening now. My phone's ringing into my business with people asking if we cover solar. That's why I'm looking at it. So I'm seeing it as a business owner. You know, I think this is something we need to be getting ahead of that curve now, get some money into the colleges, look at government for the way they fund all of this with an acknowledgement that there is extra costs now. If this is a new cost that they're offering, it's been put through the proposed systems, however that works at a government level. We need more money into colleges to help make that work. We need these manufacturers to maybe have kitties set up where they help support training companies to get people upskilled to install their systems rather than just being internal with their product training. I think we can make a much bigger effort as a collective industry. And, and you've said that a lot recently, Craig, people coming together, dropping their egos and all of the other side of these things and just working together to try and ensure we have a better industry for everyone to work in. I think that's a powerful message. Yeah, and we've got to just keep, fighting the good fight i guess haven't we because i think everybody wants a change and everybody wants to see the benefit and why wouldn't you if it's an industry we work in and we love but we've got to be realistic about where we're going on that journey and how we do that and look at it in a 
in a positive way, I guess. We could start with some material, couldn't we? Because like, I, I'm going to blog my install for the benefit of others, not because I get any money out of YouTube, because it's not monetized. But um, I am making sure I struggle to find stuff out. So I could just, there's, there's people I go places I can ask, yeah? But like the code of practice, 90 quid. So I've got to spend 90 quid on that code of practice just so I can learn a bit about my own ass. What learners can afford to do that? Then it could come out in six months' time and it's changed. Then I've got to buy another copy. I could sign up to the IET one, but then I can't use that in the classroom, so it doesn't benefit there. Where's the information? <laughs> like, obviously, in in the in the professional electrician, like you get these little things by the ECA and NIC, don't you? Like these little, oh, well, you can reduce the cable size and the running, these little odd things that happen that you can do. Whilst under that, that code of practice, like, is, is kept like, it's totally secret. You can't get any information that's been extracted from it. And that's not helping me get into the industry, which is fine because I can afford to buy the books. But learners, how do we expect learners to get into that? I would expect them to have a breeding interest if they can't just go, oh, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. What the code of practice says, can't afford 90 quid, bosh. Hmm. Like, where, where are they going to help with that? We spoke about that to do with the regs and getting those into colleges on the last episode, didn't we? The, you know, extra support at an IET level or the, the BSI maybe, however that's going to work, where we can get some of these publications into colleges' hands and, and learners' hands. I think that's something... I'll go mad then. Around. I'll go mad for, I forget, I'll say, is it beyond the realms? Because the IET have this bit of software, don't they, for the... You can buy the subscription card, 761, on-site guide, guide's no free, and then you can have the EV, the PV and all that, yeah? Yeah. Whatever it is, £180 a year. Is it 180 I don't know about the price. There's different packages, it varies. But yeah, the one I want is the middle one because it, it does the EVPV, yeah? If it's its own bespoke software, it's not a PDF, so that will get shared around. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of doing the copyright. Why don't the IT just give every apprentice a code that lasts one year? Then if they can get into it, they go, right, I will buy that book and I have to use it. Why aren't, we, why aren't the IT who are issuing this stuff, making us pay for it because we can afford it, why aren't they support the principal or something like that? It's three months, six months, 12 months, straight off the bat. Log in, yeah. have a look, get used to it. Is it is that so hard to do? Or have we, have we got to extract 90 quid out of every trainee that walks through the door? Who then gets bored, can't do it, and goes home? It just pisses well, me off. Maybe, <laughs> it maybe it's part of what we what comes out of some of this government reform then, if we're doing this, is that actually they... Because if they put another £90 on every learner that goes through their college, for example then we can buy them on their behalf, can't we? But you the know. book's no good, is it, nowadays? If we give them a login, I, I, I'm if we give them a login, it says this will last for 12 months. After that, you're on your own, yeah? Gives you a free entry to try before you buy. Is that yeah, not... I mean, the IEC do offer so some benefits. so simple. I must be getting it wrong. I must be thinking... I must be... I must be. No, I it's, it's a sensible chain of thought, mate. The IEC do give some benefits to apprentices, but they're kind of structured in a way where it's more towards this technology aspect and engineering rather than electricians. And because they produce this book, I think they could definitely look at offering that to apprentice electricians who are enrolled with the IET. That would be a massive benefit looking at it through my apprentice eyes right now. If I'm sat there knowing I can enroll in the IET and I'm going to get a heavy discount on my <coughs> books or a login to the, the regs, if they're looking to increase engagement with young people entering the industry, that's something that they should definitely do. And you look at the CPSs, NAPIT offer free membership to apprentices. There's some sort of scheme that they run where you can have access to their technical resources and it doesn't cost them anything oh, do they yeah i'll fill one napit i'll not slag you off for two weeks now well done <laughs> i no. think the nic do something <laughs> similar as well uh, <laughs> so it's, it, there is stuff out there for people to get some help but not to the, the it you. need to get the finger out the arse though yeah i joined to be fair i joined the institute of electrical engineers which then merged became the institute of, uh, institute of engineering technology um I'm, I'm an electrical engineer still all i see is like they send me emails about robots and shit. I'm an electric, I'm an electrical engineer. Like they it seems trying. like we we're a very small person upon, but we always will be that very small person that in that dying gold club style society, unless they do something modern to bring these young people in and get them interested in these rules and regs and help them find out that this thing is useful to them, which they don't do. Yeah, they made a misstep when they did the electricians conference where it tended to be more about competence and looking at electricians through these glasses of analysis and saying that we're all terrible when really if they want to get engagement who under people, 25 would watch that shit well, yeah, bored. That's it. if they want to get boring. engagement they want to get young people in <laughs> then give them an incentive and usually that comes from the benefit of a free book or something along those lines and then resources that are going to help them you know that's something it's just all very golf club i find everything's very golf club times are changing and we're still i mean don't get me wrong these old 
places, these old ways of doing stuff. I used to like, I used to be ECA, I used to like it. I used to like going to the meetings and speak to the contractors at a golf club, funny enough, and find out what was going off. It was a very old school way, but nowadays with apprentices, they want like, well, well, can I get the book then? Oh no, we ain't got any copies of it. It's like, got an iPad though, can I log in and get it? No, you can't because it's all top secret because the IT want to make loads of money out of it. Well, they make more money if they got more people in the trade that were interested in reading the books that then read them and went, I do like this, this is useful to me, and then went away later on and goes, right, I'll buy that book, bosh. But but that's got to come wider for me because, and I'm not saying this about every contractor at all, but there's lots of people out there who openly say they don't pay much attention or they don't read the regs or they don't get any sort of level of knowledge and that's the information coming out on social media mm-hmm. and other bits and pieces. And What is it they don't want to and they just want to be sparks? They don't want to get into well, the regs? people just apply rule of thumb, don't they? Well, I know that, you know, sockets are on 2.5 and that's it and I do this because that's what I was shown by Bill when he was teaching me back 30 years ago and if we don't start owning some of our own knowledge and upskilling some of that information and seeing the value in these things, then we're never going to get to a point. And if you talk about, like, you might put your two, you, you know, you might wire your ring the way you always have and the chances mm. of it causing a fire might be small or it might be limited depending on, you know, install factors. There's lots that can change in that. But if you start taking it back to a topic, if you start talking about, you've put batteries in that way because that's how somebody told you and you didn't actually know that you needed to have a secondary earth installed and you didn't know that the inverter didn't trip your RCD and you didn't know that, you know, you can't use that bracket on that type of roof because somebody's roof fell in. We've got to start taking a bit of ownership as an industry for me. And I'm not saying everybody needs to be, you know, quoting the regs line by line, <laughs> bit by bit, because no, I can't no. do that. That's, that's not me. But... You need I to know would make are. sure I went and looked at the chapter and made sure I looked at the information and the regs before doing the install. And when you verify it, you're checking again. We've got to start seeing value and importance in how we install some of these things. You know, you know those sparks on about that they don't care about the regs. They learn off someone else. They get by. They're good at trunking, kind of that. They, they're twenty pound an hour, and that's all they ever get. They just they they're just sparkies, being sparkies, but- doing sparky things, which is fine. But if we want to install and improve it, we've got to get people to want to rise above that. So out of the course of the day, I went, right, someone tell me something about the out there. This is a 2391 I was doing. Someone tell me something about the electricity regulations. Nothing. Total silence. Like, so, so I said, the only legal document that covers your trade and not one fucking person in this room can tell me anything about it. No. Well, if you come for a job with me, you don't be fucking out the door. You know what I mean? <laughs> and is that not fair to say? It's just terrible that we don't hold our own industry and people aren't passed on to what that. I was, I was absolutely shocked, if I'm honest. I think if you asked 20 people that, you'd be surprised how many actually did come back and give you an answer to It's that. fucking free on the internet. You've only got to read it once, <laughs> honestly. Like, you just, but, every, every interview I'll go, tell me something about the electricity work regulations then. And they're like, no, right, see you later, because you're not the kind of person I want to employ. And but maybe to be, be aware of that, I think. But maybe to be controversial, maybe the problem is the way the information is put out. Maybe the people are lazy not to fucking look for it. It's been online for 20 years. (laughs) It's been there since 1974. Yeah, I know. I'm just trying to devil's advocate, you know. But but technology's advanced now, right, to when this all started. And I know people go on things and say, well, in 15th edition, you had to buy 15 books and whatever else. Great, Mm. fine. But back then, the internet wasn't like it is now. You know, if people are watching social media and YouTube and doing all these things, surely your content needs to be put across in a way that helps people understand that. Mm, don't um, get me wrong. When, when the, that was, oh, sorry. I was going to say, surely for me, that's shown by... There's lots of good channels out there, but surely for me, that's shown by the fact that eFix are now, what, nearly a quarter of a million subscribers or whatever mm. they've got. Like, it shows that if we start putting information, and hopefully the IET will take something from it, I don't know, but if we start putting information out in a manner which people can understand and digest, why do we need a 650 page book? Why can't it be here's a five minute video (laughs) on each of the 10 regulations or something that people will watch and can digest and do? I don't know. You know why Efix is popular? Because it's real people discussing it openly in a fun way. That's why they're popular and they are good at it. I've got a lot of time for them, but um, Stuff like the reason those students came in and didn't know about the trusted work relations because the people that have trained them 
who are trained to bend conduit great and do pyro and all this other proper sparky shit don't think it's relevant when it is. And we need to install that back in that this is relevant, this is important, this is the only legal document that covers you. It sets you apart now. So any apprentice trades that are watching this, if you read that document once and the building regulations, you'll always be able to go, oh, you know what? I know that's in there. I can't work near a live conduct because it's in the electricity regulations. Then someone will listen to you and go, oh, yeah, knows his stuff. Otherwise, it's like, I'm not doing that. It had, that's the difference, in it? I had a chat with a, a contractor who was a, employing an apprentice um, and the student was coming in to do a science exam. And he was struggling with the science exam. And he said, well, my employers told me I'll never need electrical science in the industry, so it's a pointless <laughs> exam. So I'll just get through it. And I just kindly asked his employer how he references resistors in parallel and his insulin mm. resistance testing and how they calculate that information. Like, but that, unfortunately, is a sticking attitude of what we see. So we've got to look at how yeah. we make this information more cool. relevant and more attainable for people. And I'm not sure a 650-page book, as good as I think it is, but I like reading them because I'm sad. Um that's not necessarily how you stimulate 16, 17, 18-year-olds. No, but I don't... And I don't think you ever will go through that. But what they need to get... As you go through your career, you should be more interested in these things, aren't you? I mean, I made sure, like I said, they didn't know what the electricity was on that course. I put it across then into a into a format that I won't reveal on this podcast, why it is of use to them, why they should be interested in it. And two people said, oh, I've downloaded that and read it now. I'm not, I didn't say I just ignored it, but I, no. I, I put a straight... I was like, right, I'm going to nip in the board why you're not interested, I'm going to make, I'm going to get you interested, not make you, can't do that, got to talk about before, I'm going to get you interested. And I think we need to do more in the trade to get people interested in going, oh, well, all this documentation is there for me. You won't go and buy a fucking motorbike and not read the instructions, would you? Or like, not read how it starts or how the brakes work, or it's got broke in. Some people yeah. would, they crash into walls, don't they? <laughs> so this is true. This is true. Like, oh, where's, I'm driving along at 45 mile an hour. Oh, where's the brake again? Oh, right. Uh, fuck. Too late. <laughs> Too late. But I we mean, need to start is... making it cool, don't we? And interesting and exciting. And I just yeah. think in this case, the bit I'm struggling with, which is where we start with this conversation, is I am struggling to get information. For me, I start digging more. For young people, start switching off. Mm. Don't grab them by the balls or whatever the female group that grabs one by the balls is. Yeah. When they switch off, oh, it's too hard. Can't get there. I'm really keen, but I can't get the information I want. It's not there. I want to read something. I want to find something. And that's well, for industry sort of, I suppose. Surely, surely our own apprenticeship figures on that article that was released in FE News mm. in the last week when nearly half of apprentices dropped out in the last year. Surely that for itself speaks its own volumes. I'm not slagging the industry. I love this industry, but something's yeah. not quite clicking. How do we work together to make it click? Yeah, it's that honest discussion, isn't it? A hundred percent. There's so many people get quite defensive when you see figures <laughs> like that, Shane. Like, oh, my college isn't like that. I'm not like that as an employer. You know, this is a wider, bigger problem. Everyone at my college gets straight A's and never leaves. Yeah, we need, to, we need to speak up on the economy. It's a perfect opportunity with all this new innovation, the new domestic apprenticeship coming in. I think they're rewriting the traditional apprenticeship as well. You know, it's a massive opportunity for us to really structure training in the right way for the next 10 years. You know, we've had 10 or 15 years of, Pretty awful short courses, let's be honest. Yeah, and that's why no one wants to learn out. Because when I went to college, I started to inject them before I forget. When I went to work, there was people there and I was like, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. I want to be as good as Spark as he is. He knows his shit. That's how we, there were sparks in my firm. You wouldn't fucking ever cross them because they were brilliant. And people are like, I want to be like him when I'm old like him. And then because of short courses, like, well, what's Bob doing? Oh, I think he's just pulling some cables. And he's just lost all that. There was no pronounced. It was just like, chances chancing and trying to chain other people as chances and young kids see straight through that they do and i think we're on that journey now where we're moving away from that and training's really wanting to step forward but it needs better funding it needs support from industry and manufacturers we need to be honest about that we have all this new innovation coming we're moving towards prosumerism and all the exciting stuff that comes with that possibly allowing your car to run your house and all things that can get really very complicated very quickly so we need to make sure we're supporting that learning journey for experienced electricians mm -hmm. and youngsters entering the industry. I think as we're going to build this, we'll re re revisit this series a few more times. <laughs> we'll maybe get Stuart in. Um, we'll speak about Jamie's journey, and I'm doing an install as well in my own house and at relatives' homes to practice some of my skills and build up my competence as a test bed. We can share those experiences. I'm sure 
Craig's going to come across it in his working life as well as time moves along, and we'll come back and speak more about this. Is there anything you two want to add before we finish this this podcast? I think we're kind of reaching our <laughs> our time slot before the internet switches off. <laughs> the money's running run out of the meter. Um, we cover a lot of ground there. I got a bit off my chest there, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. And I never a guess, mate. <laughs> and and I lost a bet. Jamie didn't make double figures or swearing this week, so that's Has all. Not? I've got the clicker on. I just just to get some. I am I am on this podcast, and I go in touch with Mark originally, and I go to train because I like slagging things off and saying that shit, that shit. So we train. I'm like, it's shit. And someone says, well, go and train. I'm like, well, I fucking will do then. So now I'm here. I'm gonna do some value. You know what I mean? But I think we need to get back to that, like. Um, people caring, people actually caring about stuff, caring about doing a good job, caring about being good, not this like money, 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 short courses, going to make you're going to make this an hour. Because you know, if you are on those wankers that don't want to read the box and know about their trusty work relations, all that stuff, you're never going to get more than 20 quid an hour. Just be some spark who bends pipe. If you want to go, but are you? To leave this on a non man, I think it's going to be interesting <laughs> to see how this develops and how Soul I and mean, Batley does emerge in the future and how we integrate with cars. It's I'm technical to this. see how that develops. It's a great opportunity for everyone to care about something in the industry that's really technical, that's moving through and get involved and do it properly. If this comes out as the sham like EV charging, that'll be a disappointment for the industry and everyone in it. That's fair. I think honest discussion, we should encourage people not being afraid of being wrong either. I'm happy to learn on these podcasts. I always learn so much speaking with you two and everyone else who I go and chat with. So I think that's something that, as Jamie said, don't be afraid of your own opinion. Don't be afraid of being wrong. If you want to say something and get it off your chest, you're always welcome to come and talk with us on the Apprentice One to One podcast. Well, we're getting the prints on. Hang on. Oh, what, yeah. well, if someone's, how many views we got last week, Mark? Uh, I don't know, actually. Why are not in these apprentices? I want someone to come on here and talk to us. I want an apprentice to come on here and talk to us about if we are just stupid old men or if we are. Oh, make, I want someone to come and talk happen. to me who's young. I want to feed off their youngest because I'm old. That counts Sam out then. We work not getting on. But we get some apprentices <laughs> on 100%. We'll get that sorted. If you're watching this and you want to come on and talk to us, we're all on Instagram, Instagram, aren't we? Yeah. Which is the cool way kids communicate. Just message one of us. I'll come on there and gee what for or whatever. You can swear, obviously. But yeah, I'm dead keen now. I think we're getting a bit old men club, <laughs> old men moaning. So There's plenty of podcasts knocking around like that. I like. appear on most of them. I don't help the age rating <laughs> of most podcasts, let's be honest. <laughs> so yeah, apprentices, take it up. Come on. Definitely. Thank you both for coming on, especially you, Craig. I know you're going off to take over from your good lady looking after the little one. Take care, both of you. We'll be back in a week or so. Get involved in the comments as always. Like and subscribe to the channel. Thank you for everyone who is already active with all of that. We appreciate it and we'll see you on the next one. Cheers, all. Bye-bye.